Welcome to the UVU Review Quick Fire Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Creer, joined by my good friend, Tanner Heath. What's up, guys? We are back after a two-week absence with some travel and some sickness along the way. We found our way back. As Andrew said, I am Tanner Heath, your partner in crime. Partner in crime. I like that. Alrighty. Like We're going to have Andrew start us off. Andrew, let's get it. Let's go. We're going to start off with what we talk about usually at the beginning of our program, the UVU's men's basketball team. They stormed back against UT, RGV, University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. One heck of a name. They were down by 10 going into the half. Yeah. Yeah, I think they were down by like 10. Came back 176 to 64. Um, they've got a little bit left of conference play left before they head into their tournament. Tanner, what's the outlook like for the team as they head into the remainder of their season? Um, remainder of the season, I uh, took a look at the schedule today. Um, judging by who they have left on the schedule, um, they've only lost to one of those teams. And with, I believe, five or six games left, um, they should, I think, end the season around the 22-9 and nine mark is what it would be. And I think that's about right. Um, and going into the WAC tournament, they're going to either be the two or the three seed, depending on when they, when they face Grand Canyon um, in the last week of the season. That'll determine the two, three seed. Obviously, New Mexico State has the one. Um, and they're going to be a team to watch out for in March, and we'll get to that later. But uh, the outlook for the team is really good going into to WAC tournament, or yeah, the WAC tournament play. Yeah, so um, so they've lost to Grand Canyon, and they've lost to California State University of Bakersfield, mm-hmm. right? So CSUB. Um, those, I think, at this point in the season, I think that UVU has um, figured out some of their things in their roster that make them more effective on the court. Um, I think that they have a really good chance to win out the rest of their season. Um, Knowing the men's basketball team, they'll drop at least one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them drop that game against Grand Canyon, although that game is here in Orem, and Grand Canyon's usually a lot better of a home team than they are a road team. So um, I think their outlook is good. They should try to finish top three in the conference, um, even finish second so they can at least – hold off New Mexico State until that final game. Yeah. Um, Because that's your main goal. If you can get New Mexico State at the end of the tournament and beat them, um, you get that NCAA tournament berth that they're looking for. Um, If you have to face New Mexico State earlier, the problem is is if you face them earlier in the WAC tournament and you end up beating them, the problem becomes is then you're going to be really worn out for that championship game if you don't have the second seed. So um i think the outlook is good for them they've figured a lot of things out richard harward's playing well yeah. they should have Connor mcdougall back here in about two weeks the last last week of the season before the uh, before whack tournament play yeah and he's really he's a really big part of that team yeah. and you've you can tell that they've definitely had to switch up their strategy with him not being on the court um so hopefully they can get that figured out um reminds me a lot of last year when they didn't have men yang on the court towards the end of the year and then they had him in the tournament and it kind of ended up actually th- seeming to throw things off in the tournament. So hopefully they can get McDougall back before the tournament starts so they can figure out um, the layout of the team. But I think that they have a good chance to um, win out for the rest of the year. Um, like I said, I think it's likely they'll drop one of those games. Yeah, so we'll make sure to keep an eye on that. We'll, we'll reassess next week as they face 
Uh, Chicago State at home tomorrow, as well as University of Missouri, Kansas City on Saturday night. Now we'll shift gears to women's basketball. The women's team also won over the weekend at home. They overcame a 14-point deficit to end up winning the game by 15. Andrew, what is the outlook for the women's team before WAC tournament play? So um, I think they only have, I think, just like the men, they only have a few games left. So they've got... Chicago State at Chicago State, then they go to UMKC there, and then they're back at home against Cal Baptist before they go on the road again to Grand Canyon, and then California State, University of Bakersfield. Um, The thing about the women's team is you look at that um, game they played over the weekend where they overcame the 14-point deficit. They wouldn't have been able to do that last year. Um, They have improved immensely. Um, I think we've talked about that a lot, but I think that that game is one of those things that seals that opinion for me. Um, if they got down by 14 last year, there's no way they come back in that game. So um, the outlook is decent for them. Um, I would be surprised. I think that they, right now, within the conference, taking a look at their standing, they're third in the conference right now. Um, it'd be really nice if they could keep that up and finish top three. Um, the remainder of their schedule isn't necessarily um, super easy, but yeah. it's not terribly difficult either. No, and they've done they've done really well at rebounding from losses this year. I believe they've only had a, a losing streak of two games all year. I want to say in in conference play at least, um, and so they've rebounded really well after losses. Um, and you're right, they're. These games that they're coming back in, they definitely wouldn't have last year. So they're already showing a lot more progress, a lot better play, um, and it's showing and they're getting noticed. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where they finish up in the conference. Um, if they could go into the tournament and win one to two games, um, like I said, they've definitely improved from last season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, turn some heads in the tournament and maybe surprise some people. So moving on to the next part of our starting five, we've got UVU baseball starting up um, just recently. Um, they split a Monday doubleheader. They had a ninth inning homer from, what's his first name, Sims. Can't remember his first name. Last name, Sims. Um, hit a homer at the top of the ninth. Um, was that against Fresno State? Yeah, all the games over the weekend were against Fresno State. Yeah, so they went one and two. Um, with that... Um, with him being able to hit that homer at the top of the ninth to not be um, shut out in that series against Fresno State, do you think that the baseball team should have higher hopes this year than they have, or are things looking like they're going to remain in the same spot for them? Um, well, there's nowhere to go but up because I believe our last show we mentioned how um, in the preseason rankings they were picked at the bottom of the whack for baseball. Mm-hmm. And so there's really nowhere you can go but up. It's kind of like the women's team we talked about, that women's basketball team we talked about at the beginning of the year is, you know, when you don't really have expectations, you can exceed a lot of things because you're not expected to do a whole lot. And so with the baseball team, obviously, like I just said, there's nowhere to go but up. And I think that, that I think they're going to have that mindset all year. And the, as a result, I think it's going to turn out better for them um, this season than last season. Yeah, I think that... Um you know, they haven't been projected to finish very high, and that should be a source of motivation for them. I think that, and it's like we've talked about previously, I think UVU has the potential to have a really good baseball team. 
Um, when you have the largest university in the state, baseball seems like one of those sports where you should at least be able to attract some people to come and give you a winning program. Um, so hopefully they can turn things around as they continue. I mean, baseball season's long. So, I mean, they've got a long time to figure out um, what lineups are working best for them, who to pull out of their bullpen, um, you know, who's giving them the most effective hitting lineup on the field. Um, they've got time to figure that out. I wouldn't be too worried about them just yet. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on baseball throughout their entirety of their season. Um, obviously, they just kicked off their season this last weekend, three games in Fresno. They will now go to South Carolina this weekend to face the Gamecocks, um, who is in the last number of years have been a powerhouse in college baseball. Um, so we will definitely be recapping that later on next week. And now we will shift over to softball. Softball has been going for a couple weeks now, and they've played in multiple tournaments, but have lost six in a row combined in those two tournaments. Well, I think in the last tournament, too, they didn't win any games. No. Um, I think they lost four of them. Um, and that's just another thing, like with the baseball team, where the softball team hasn't been projected to finish very high either. However, to go into a tournament and not win any games, um, sign of concern, I think, for the softball team. I think that's a little bit different. Um for the baseball team. The baseball team, you know, they had a three-game matchup, yeah. went one for two. I mean, that's not horrible. You didn't go 0 for three. They went 0 for four in a tournament. So that's one of those situations where you have to ask yourself, um, should we prepare, be preparing ourselves to see a softball team that's really going to struggle? Do you think that that's going to be the result for them this year? Um, We'll have to wait and see. I know we took a look at their schedule, and they actually don't play a whole lot of WAC conference games. Um, and so you're not really ever going to get a feel for those teams in your conference. You're going to be playing a lot of different teams. Um, and so yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch, watch out for. Um, but yeah, I mean, they should have the same mindset as the baseball team and the women's basketball team we mentioned so far this year. And that you, when you don't have a ton of expectations, just, just go out and play and make it happen. You know, you don't really have anything setting you back. It's not, it's not like where you're, you know, you're picked top two top three in the conference mm-hmm. and then you start losing and they're like what's going on yeah you know you, you, you don't start off well you're at the bottom of the conference nobody's really going to pay attention but you start winning those games start gaining more traction people are going to start noticing talking about you in a, in a more positive light because you didn't have those expectations yeah and it gives you it gives you somewhat of a weird advantage i think yeah. it, it reminds me of um the utah jazz last season where they were they weren't projected to make the playoffs and then post All Star Game, I think they have the best record in the NBA. Yeah. So I mean, if you're set up to have low expectations, you might as well try to get the highest result possible that you can get out of that situation. So moving on to our last segment of the starting five, we have a team that we haven't talked about yet: UVU hockey. Um, I've t- I've covered UVU hockey in the past. Um, so just to give you kind of an idea of what <coughs> their game was like against Utah State comparatively to their games previously in the season. Um, I went to a UVU-BYU hockey game earlier in this season, both club teams. I think UVU lost upwards to 12-1. to um, Really, really struggled at the beginning of the year. Um, <coughs> they're an interesting program because they've had to be rebuilt from the ground up. They've had coaching changes. They've had roster changes. The roster that they have this year, I'm sure, is completely different from the roster that they had last year. Yeah. Um, they were able to go up to Utah State over the weekend and get their first win against that program in program history. Um, I think I've got the score. Yeah, so they won 6-5 to five, um, 
Dustin Peck scored the game-winning goal with 10 minutes left in the third period. Pretty big deal. Another cool thing that happened up there as well is... Um, so Alex Brandt is a member of the team. His father passed away, David Brandt, from cancer. Up at Utah State, they actually had a held moment of silence for his dad. Um, so a cool moment um, for the interstate uh, rivalry between the two hockey programs to have them um, show respect for one another and for that situation. But Utah State, within the club rankings, was ranked number 10. And so for UV to go up there and beat him was a big surprise. Um, Tanner, what, what do you think the interest level in hockey should be at UVU? And if that program's on the rise, how excited should we be? Um, yeah, hockey is an interesting thing. And I've always, you know, wondered why it's not as big in Utah for it being as cold as it is half the year. Yeah, seriously. Um, I mean, I know they have a minor league team um, up in Salt Lake. But as far as college hockey goes, you know, there's already, you know, it being just a club team. Um, I don't know how much traction it could gain. Um, but it definitely should get more publicity. Um, and the fact that, you know, they finished off the season with a win like that, um, it, it definitely could get more publicity for them going into next year, get more people attracted to it. So I think overall it, it's on its way up. I and I think the, the, the advantage that they have is at least in covering that team is I could tell that over the course of the season that something special is going on within that program. They have a coaching staff that is dedicated that they care about those kids on the team and they really do have a really solid team mindset in which they are going onto the ice every day, knowing that they're underdogs, knowing that they're just a club team. And yet they're all really dedicated and want to win really bad. I mean, for, for to be on a club team and then take time out of your week to go to practice every day. And then they go on road trips to places like Montana and Colorado and you're playing on a club sport, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. So I think for them, I mean, it should be something where I can personally say that watching hockey live is one of the most entertaining things you can choose oh, yeah. to do. And UVU hockey, it's just the same. I mean, you see um, some talking back and forth between the players. Um, when I went to the BYU-UVU game, there was definitely some hostility between the UVU players and the BYU fans. Um it's a very electric, exciting sport. And the thing is, is the advantage you can take it um, <coughs> of UVU having a hockey team is you go over to Peaks Ice Arena in Provo, you can go see them play for like five bucks. Yeah. I mean, so I would take the time. I, I would definitely um, recommend that people keep their eyes open for that team next year. Follow their page on Facebook. Um, they post some good stuff. I, I've been really excited to be following them, and it was very cool to see them get that win at the end of the year. Alrighty, now transitioning into the big four, we will start with something we talked quite a bit about before our last show, um, which was the trade deadline. We're going to recap it. We're going to talk about what didn't happen. Andrew, first thing with the Jazz, um, are you surprised? Are you upset that nothing ended up happening with any type of player coming in or out? Well, I was anxious enough to the point that when we were on an airplane heading to Nashville, I bought Wi-Fi on the plane so that I could keep up with uh, the trade deadline specifically if we were going to get Mike Conley or not. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be honest, I was disappointed initially. Um, I felt like the Jazz had an opportunity, and it sounded like the Grizzlies wanted a lot. It sounded like they wanted um, things that the Jazz weren't willing to give, 
Um, I don't necessarily agree with making Dante Exum untouchable. I don't understand that stance. I mean, maybe Dennis, I mean, obviously Dennis Lindsay knows more than I do, but I personally just have not seen the Dante Exum hype. I just don't understand it. I mean, when he goes on the court, he turns the ball over. Um, He has a few shining moments where he uh, has offensive productivity, but most of the time I watch him, I end up being frustrated. And so to make him untouchable for Mike Conley, who I think could have changed the landscape of the team, was an interesting move. I just don't understand the Dante Exum loyalty. I just don't get it. Yeah, that was really interesting that nothing ended up happening there. Um, overall, it I mean, I wouldn't say it was a quiet trade deadline. There was a lot of small, smaller moves that were made between teams. Obviously, the biggest thing that didn't happen, which we talked about, was Anthony Davis. Um, he didn't end up going anywhere. Um, and now the Pelicans look really stupid because they're letting him walk for absolutely nothing. Um, and the fact that now there's reports coming out that he's probably isn't even going to play the rest of the season. So that whole, that whole thing within the trade deadline was kind of a mess. Um, but most of all, we kind of just wanted, we wanted to mention just what, what didn't happen with the jazz. Um, Andrew, how do you think that's going to affect the team going forward? Well, I, it's going to be very similar to last season. Um, they're going to get into the playoffs. I think that they will get sixth or fifth seed. They'll probably end up playing um, an Oklahoma City slash Trailblazers type team. Um, and I could see them easily winning in the first round. I think that the Jazz are a strong, strong enough team that they can have the higher seed number and still get the win. Um, but once it comes down to them having to play the Warriors, um, they're not going to be able to beat the Warriors. There's no way. Um, they could potentially beat the Rockets, I think, in a seven-game series. I think that they could also potentially beat the Nuggets in a seven-game series. Yeah. Um, the team that just worries me the most is if they have to play the Warriors, it's all said and done because the Warriors are going to be uh, the NBA champions this year. So I don't think there's any doubt about that in my mind, at least. Yeah, and so transitioning from our uh, trade deadline recap... Um, there wasn't a whole lot to you know kind of discuss there. We we mentioned the main big points with the Jazz. Well, there was there, there was also on um, Marc Gasol to Toronto. Yeah, um, there was a few things that changed the landscape of the East. I think specifically, um, there was there, there was the the Seventy Sixers trade as well with Tobias Harris. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that that was a good trade for them as well. Um, it will be interesting to see who wins the East. I I don't have a lot of confidence in Boston. Um, I think that they're really messy. And I don't think the players like each other. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. Um, I, I, if I had to put money on it, I would probably say uh, having to choose between Milwaukee and Toronto, probably Toronto in my mind. But Yeah, with no LeBron James in the East anymore, they're finally going to not have anything to try to overcome. Yeah, so, knowing the Raptors, though, they'll choke. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, so the Eastern Conference will be really interesting with all the, the I feel like there was more trades out east. Um so we'll see we'll see how that plays out the last two months of the season. Um and so now transitioning into what we just kind of talked about is the Utah Jazz. Andrew, what is their outlook for the rest of the season? Um they should be aiming to get top four seeding. I, I think that they'll most likely end up getting a five or a six. Yeah. Um but I mean, going into there was a lot of things that happened during our break. I mean, so we had Rudy Gobert wasn't selected as an All Star. Um, people made fun of him because he cried. And now, I mean, for him, he needs to play like a top fifteen player in the NBA. 
And I think that he has that impact on the court. And I just think that if he could just kick it in, although he's playing very well right now, if he could just kick it into one more gear and really show how elite he is as a center in the NBA, the Jazz have a good chance to really scare some teams towards the end of the year. Um, they're playing, they've been playing well. Um, they played well going into the all-star break. I'm not super worried about their end of season outlook. Um, I just, I think once it gets into the playoff situation, the question's going to be is how far can they go once yeah, they get there. matchups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think as a Jazz fan, if you're looking at it, you should probably be hoping for at least a five or six seed. Um, I could see them potentially getting a four um, if some other teams start stop playing as well as they have been. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out before the playoffs. Um, and now speaking of professional sports, yes, we have a professional football team in Utah. In the AAF, if you do not know what that stands for, it is the Alliance of American Football League, the Salt Lake City Stallions. Andrew, what are your thoughts on this professional team after two weeks of play? Well, first and foremost, I want to say I love watching Matt Asiata play football. Um, and it's exciting. I mean, now, is it going to be huge? No. I mean, it's not going to be. I mean, I don't think the AAF. I mean, th- that, that week one was pretty huge. I mean, they got all those ratings, but that's because people were just, they missed football after one week. And I think they missed football. And I think also the other thing is the advantage the AAF has is um, uh, for all these players that are going to develop more CTE in their brains is they're just allowing people to really hit each other in the head. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, so, not, not condoning that, but it, no, it's pretty I, fun I, to watch. Well, I, I think it's... Uh, I, I don't think it's a smart move on their part. Um, but the the advantage of the, that for them personally, though, is for their marketing strategy is they can put clips on Twitter of people absolutely getting knocked out. Yeah. And people will be like, oh, the AAF might be actually kind of fun to watch. Yeah. I'll be honest. Am I going to keep up with the AAF like religiously? Probably not. No, especially because <clears throat> excuse me, they play... The towards the end of their season during March Madness. So yeah, and and not only that, but like the the season's fairly short from what I remember. Yeah, it's ten weeks and then two weeks of playoffs, I believe. And there's not like a lot of teams. Um, I mean, the only thing that interests me about it is the former players that you have the potential to see. Um, like you have a lot of guys that you can see them on the field and be like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, that guy used to play like. <laughs> that guy used to play for like Idaho State. I remember him. Like, you know, like um so it'll be interesting. I don't think it's going to be huge. Um I mean that article just barely came out about how they actually almost didn't have a team cuz they didn't have enough money. Yeah. And so um we'll see if they can make enough money to remain popular. I think I noticed that their next scheduled game is on a Saturday in Salt Lake, yeah. which is a smart move cuz I think if you want to get um fans to fill Rice Eccles Stadium especially this time of year, I mean, it's going to be cold. Yeah. I mean, so you better be looking for an early afternoon Saturday game at least. And so I might take the time to go out to a game or two, but I don't think it's going to be huge. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to watch to see how it progresses, but I don't think, you know, it's going to go more downhill after week one than it will uphill from there. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, it's fun if you know you're sitting down on your couch and you don't have anything to do on a yeah. Saturday afternoon or a Sunday night during February to March. But other than that, I mean, 
I don't I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna do much. I, I like your point where you mentioned how, you know, you're noticing players that you used to watch, you know, on a Saturday afternoon in college that never made it to the NFL or you know, they had a short stint in the NFL and now you're like, Oh oh wow, this guy's playing again, you know, I'll tune in. Um let's get Jake Heaps and uh JJ D. Luigi on the Salt Lake City Stallions. Why not? Why not? Um so we'll keep an eye out for that. That we'll and Travis out. Wilson, let's those, get him back too. For those players. Um our last uh, our last story in our big four. Is tournament hopes. We're gonna we're gonna quickly mention Utah, BYU, Utah State, Weber State, and UVU, and their outlook on making the NCAA double NCAA tournament. Andrew, start us off with Utah. So Utah, um, while we were in Nashville um, about a week and a half ago, hit a huge buzzer beater against UCLA on the road. Um, had a California road win streak. They didn't lose on the road. Um, they're playing the best they have all year. The issue that with the Utes this year is they had such a bad preseason that they have to win their tournament. Mm-hmm. They have to win their tournament, which the thing is, the Pac-12 isn't good this year, yeah. so they have the potential to do that. I mean, Washington's going to be the team to beat. The problem is you get in that tournament situation, teams are going to be prepared for you. They're going to be they're going to have their game plan set out, and I just don't know if that roster within itself is talented enough to um, go through that whole tournament and win the whole thing. If I had to give like a pers- I mean, if I had to give, let's give let's let's do percentages then. Percentages. Yep. On, I would, on Utah. I would probably give to win their conference tournament. I would give them a thirty-five percent chance. I would be surprised. Yeah. I'd be surprised if they won their tournament. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I'll say thirty to thirty-five percent on Utah, yeah. just because you know conference tournaments are so unpredictable sometimes. Uh, a team can get hot, you know, for three or four days. Yeah. Um, it happens in some type of conference every single year. But overall, I, I feel like the Pac-12 is kind of set in stone with Washington this year. They're probably the only team that's going to get in. Um, it's definitely going to hurt a bubble team if Washington doesn't win their conference tournament. Um, but yeah, we'll you know we'll roughly say thirty to thirty-five percent. And now we'll go into the BYU's case where it's similar to Utah. They had a very poor uh, uh, non-conference uh, record, um, and then they they've lost I think one or two bad games in conference. They lost to Gonzaga, but they've won all their other games. They've beaten St. Mary's already once here, which they usually don't do. Did they lose? Um, I think they lost to San Francisco. They lost to San Francisco, who is uh, I believe second in the conference. And this did year. they lose to Pacific or did they win that game? I think they won that game. Um, it was either them or Pepperdine that they lost to. So I believe they only have three conference losses. But just the fact, the sheer fact that they're, they're like Utah, they had a poor um, non-conference schedule, or sorry, record. They had a good schedule. They just didn't win those 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 games to get you in the tournament. And so they're going to have to win their conference tournament as well. Andrew, what's the percentage you have on BYU? Um, because it's going to go through Gonzaga. BYU's got to, they would have to beat Gonzaga at least once, whether it's in the regular, well, they, they could beat him in the regular season and then going into the tournament depending on where they get them, right? Yeah. So I think if BYU beats Gonzaga in a semifinal and they go to the championship game, um, I mean, obviously they get the automatic bid if they win the championship, but if they lose in that game, they still might get in if they beat Gonzaga in their conference tournament. Um, from what I saw from BYU when I went to the Gonzaga game, they're not even close. Uh, they are leagues behind um, 
Gonzaga just completely destroyed them on every aspect of the court. Uh, there's just not a lot of confidence in that team. That's the thing that I have with them is whenever I watch them play, I just don't I don't get this sense of confidence that we've had from BYU teams in the past yeah. where they come out and they they pl- they play really good offense. They hit big three pointers. They um, play solid defense, and their defenses look sloppy. They haven't looked great from behind the three-point line. Really, the only thing they have going for them is that Yoli Childs is really, really good. Um, I would say that their percentage, um, it's a little bit higher than Utah's. I would give them a 40%. Um, I think that they, if even if they finish second in that conference, they have a chance to be a bubble team. Yeah. Um, I think that's the difference with Utah is Utah's preseason was so bad that there's no way they get in unless they win their tournament. I think BYU's was decent. Their preseason was decent enough that if they finish second in that tournament against Gonzaga, they might get in. Yeah. So I'll give, I'll go with you. I'll, I'll go with you again and say, I'd give BYU a 40% chance just because they have it. They still have an opportunity to get a couple good wins. Um, and now for the most interesting, uh, the most interesting team that we're going to mention is Utah State. Yeah. Andrew, what is the case with Utah State? So the thing about Utah State is they're playing pretty well. The issue that they have is that they're going to have to go through Nevada. Uh, the problem that Utah State has faced is they've played really well against teams um, that aren't very good. It's kind of like their it's kind of like their football team situation where in terms of the lower tiers teams in the NCAA they're pretty good but you see their previous matchups they played Houston and lost by 10 they lost to BYU they lost to Arizona State and Arizona State's not that good um and they've lost to Nevada and they've got I think they have to play Nevada again They play Nevada at the end of the season at home mm-hmm. yeah Yeah and so and they they still have to play Nevada um They've still got um, a few different teams on their skid. So I they believe, still, yeah, they still play Boise State and New San Mexico, Diego, San Diego and, State. And so the issue with Utah State is, I mean, they're being listed as one of the last teams in. At yeah, this they're point. one of the last four teams in as of today. The problem is, is I just if you're gonna have one team get in from the Pac-12, how do you justify giving two teams in the Mountain West? Um, because the Mountain West is not good. Yeah, they're they're pretty similar in aspects this year. They have one dominant team, and the rest are kind of you know battling it out to try to get that second and third spot. Yeah. So I mean, for Utah State, I think that they're more likely to get in though, just with their their situation. Um, I think it really helps that they're they're playing at a level right now where they've been noticed, and so I'm gonna give them fifty fifty odds. I think that. Um, I think it's really going to depend on if they a make their conference championship game and b I don't think they're I don't think they have any chance of winning. Um, but I think if they have a close game, if they lose within six to eight points, um, comparatively to like fifteen to twenty, um, I, I think I give them fifty fifty odds in getting in. Okay, I like those odds as well. I'd give them fifty fifty just because uh, judging by teams with, you know, we have four weeks left until selection Sunday, little little less than that. Mm-hmm. And judging by the teams that are in the last four in right now, those are going to shift so much. So 50-50 odds are pretty good for them. Um, the next team we will mention is Weber State. Andrew, right now, uh, I believe Montana is the team projected to get the automatic bid from their conference. Yeah. 
Um, where do you where do you see Weber State at? So Weber State's in the Big Sky. Um, they're in third right now, behind Montana and Northern Colorado. They were really really hyped um, going into this season, and then going into conference play, and they really haven't been super impressive. I mean, to go ten and five in the Big Sky um, isn't ideal for them. Um, I would be very, very surprised if they got in. They would have to win their conference tournament. Obviously, that's yeah. the only way to get in, yeah, in the, the Big, Big Sky. The Big Sky is a one-team a one uh, bid conference. I think they have 10%. I don't, I don't have a lot of confidence in Weber State, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I don't either. It just depends if they get hot in their conference tournament. Um, that's the really only chance they have. Um, so I'll, I, I would say I'll go even lower just by a little bit. I'd say seven or eight. Okay, good. Good. But, good uh, job taking the under there. I would, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And then for our final team we want to mention is UVU. Yeah. Um, Andrew, what are their tournament hopes looking like? We've kind of, we kind of talked about it in our starting five a little bit. Um, but, I mean, obviously they're going to have to win their conference tournament as well because as of right now the WAC conference is only a one-bid league. Um, but what is their outlook? The problem with UVU is I just don't think they have the talent to beat New Mexico State. Um, it's just been proven, you know, in both games this year that New Mexico State is just continually in a different league than UVU. Um, I would be very surprised to see UVU beat them in the conference tournament. If they can get past New Mexico State, they could definitely finally get that con- that. Uh, tournament berth Mm -hmm. they could pull that off if they can just get past um this team that they just cannot seem to get past i would give them mm, i would say i would be i'd be shocked i I would give them 25 percent. i would give the wolverines 25 percent to make the tournament okay um i'll go along with that i I would say 20 to 25 percent just because um, New Mexico State is a team that uh, I definitely think is going to win a game in the tournament, in the NCAA tournament. Um, um, and so that's that's just going to be tough. Um, it's going to be awesome if they can pull it off. But I, I would say as of this season, it just doesn't look likely. I think going into next season, their odds are much better. Oh, yeah. Um, with their transfers and with the roster that they're going to be and, keeping on. And with the seniors that New Mexico State is losing, mm-hmm. um, I think next year is definitely it's UVU's league. Yeah, and I think UVU should recognize that. Obviously, go into your conference tournament, do the best you can, but always have the outlook that I think next year for UVU is the year that they could finally get that uh, conference berth. I just don't think it's this year for them. I just don't think they have it in them. All right. We are going to transfer into our final stretch. We are going to be discussing some bracketology stuff. Of course, the NCAA tournament is four Sundays away. Is that, that's when the selection is? Yep, four selection Sundays show. away. Yep. Selection Sunday. Love that day. Um, I don't know about you. The NCAA tournament is my favorite time of year in terms of sports. Um, it's the tournament. Mostly and... mostly just the first weekend. The first four days are the, the best <laughs> it's four true. days. It's true. Like, I kind of get burned out after about a week and a half, yeah. I, I'll be honest. Um, but those that, that first week is awesome. I, I love the uh, first week of the NCAA tournament. So um, we've got some bracketology predictions 
um, that have been pulled up. Yeah, so from we pulled ESPN. up ESPNs uh, with the bracketology wizard Joe Lenardi. Um, so as of right now, his four one seeds. He's got Duke. He's got Gonzaga. He's got Virginia. He's got Tennessee. I think he's spot on with those four. Yeah, um, I agree. The, those have been the best four teams all year. Um, and then there's you know there's some you know there's some shocking you know adjustments that he's made. Um, and you know such teams as uh, you know in his in his final four that get in, uh, he has Florida and Temple. He has. Um, if we scroll up here, where's his other one? He has Arizona State and Alabama. So, I mean, his really differentiates um, from, you know, uh, we've also looked at CBS's bracketology. Uh, we looked at Bleacher Report's bracketology. And, you know, they all kind of have a different outlook on the final four teams that they have getting in. Uh, as for the, the the top seeds, you know, they're pretty spot on with one another. Um and then just looking ahead at some of the upset matchups that they have projected, um, I already mentioned New Mexico State. They're projected to play Wisconsin in a 5-12 matchup. I really like New Mexico State. I've seen them play twice this year. Um, and in their non-conference, they played really great. They almost beat Kansas in Kansas. So, Andrew, looking at this, what would be, what would be your upset pick? Um, I always have to look at the 215 matchups. So his two fifteen matchups, he's got in the West, North Carolina and Radford. I don't think North Carolina loses that game. He's got Michigan State and Montana. Um, mm, Michigan State, they always throw you through a loop because they always let me down. Well, in my the, other, bracket. the other thing is, too, is Michigan State has two of their starting five out for the rest of the year. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to really factor in for them. Um, and then he's also got Kentucky and Northern Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky just really doesn't lose those games, especially they've been playing really great the last couple weeks, beat, knocking off number one Tennessee, who hadn't lost a game since November. Yeah. Um, and then you got Michigan, Loyola, Chicago. I think that would be the upset to happen in a two Loyola, Loyola, Chicago was that Cinderella they, team that, that made it to the Final Four last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's just too good to be true for them. So I think they lose that game to Michigan. I'm going with my gut. I think that Kentucky, North Kentucky matchup, um, I know Kentucky's playing well. Um, I always just like to choose them to lose. So if I had to choose one, it would be Northern Kentucky beats out Kentucky in the 15-2 to matchup. Um, and even though this bracket isn't official, just put that on your calendars because I think that's going to happen, and I'm 100% confident. And then who is uh, <laughs> who who is uh, Duke going to lose to? So... Um, so let's see. They're not obviously they're going to beat their first round matchup. Bucknell is who they're projected to play right now, and then Baylor and Wofford. They won't lose to either of those teams if that's how it ends up being. And then <laughs> possibility of facing LSU or Villanova. Um, I think you know, the, I think the minimum for Duke is Final Four. Um, if they're going to lose, I think it's going to be in the Final Four. Um, and if they get past the Final Four into the championship, I think they win. Um. It, but it's like when we were talking to Coach Pope, though, any any team can lose going into the tournament. Yep. I mean, any any single team can lose going to the tournament. The thing about me personally is being a Duke fan, um, both times they've won the tournament, I didn't expect them to win the tournament. Mm -hmm. And then when they've had teams that have been expected to win, they don't win. So um, It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I'd, I I think Zion Williamson is a once-in-a-lifetime talent. I think he's great. Um, 
does that mean that Duke's going to win the tournament out right now? So, I mean, it, it will just be interesting to see as time goes on um, how that bracket adjusts. Does he not have not have Washington making that bracket? Does he have Arizona State instead? Um, In his final four, yes. Uh, I swear I saw Washington. Yeah, right here. He has Washington at a 7 seed. Oh, so he has two, he has two, yeah, uh, he has two. Pac-12 teams getting in. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. I think that, um, like we said, it will just be interesting to see how the Utah um, – teams fair it's like we talked about i think it was a few podcasts ago it's been disappointing to see no teams from utah in the tournament um so hopefully we can get one in this year that'd be really nice yeah and just for the record we've already decided our national story for the next three weeks leading up to the tournament will be us taking a look at bracketology possible upsets see how the tournament plays out you gotta prepare you gotta prepare yeah we are march madness advocates all right our last thing for the episode is overtime our overtime segment I have exactly five minutes okay. to explain to Andrew the story I found. He had not, seen, not it. seen it. Random story. Here we go. From the New York Times. Uh, over the weekend, a 20-0 soccer game was played in Italy. It was in... So you have Serie A, which is teams like Juventus, who Ronaldo plays for. You have AC Milan, Inter Milan. And then you have Serie B. And then you have Serie C. And Serie C, um, on Sunday... There were a number of games played. It's the third level of Italian soccer. Uh, f- for example, they had a game that was played that was 2-1, to one, a game that was played 1-0, to and then you have a team... I'm going to botch this. I'm going to botch all this. It's like all in Italian. Um, you have uh, <laughs> you have Quenio, who w- scored 20 goals, and you have Pro Piacenza, who scored zero. Yikes. I'm going to read an excerpt from this. So it says, the eye-popping score... And the 20 to 0 is not a typo, it's part of a larger tale. Pro, Pro Pienza 1919 is a, is a venerable team from the Emilia Romagna. Rom- I'm going to wow. pick an article next time that's not hard to read. <laughs> In it, of Italy. Okay. But the team has run into financial troubles, and most of its players and staff members, sick of not getting paid, have quit weeks ago. Oh, oh, oh. The team was penalized eight points already for dropping to rock bottom of the Series C standings and forfeited three straight matches. If they forfeit one more, they will be disqualified forever. So Did for they get moved down to like Series D? Or no, like... but C is the end. Oh, C is the end. Well, <laughs> so, they're, <clears throat> so they're done after that. Okay. So for Sunday's game uh, at Quenio, it was imperative that some kind of team be put on the field. Uh, as a result, they mustered up teenagers from the youth team uh, a team from Messer, Italy, for a total of eight players. The team was already short three players for the game. Um, and here's another thing that was crazy. One of the youngsters, his name was Nicola Curigliano, and he was appointed the player manager. Unfortunately, one of the players, identified by the Italian press, had forgotten his ID card and not suit up. So the team was playing with just the minimum of seven. So it was seven on 11, as you could expect. You have seven inexperienced players going up against 11 that have been practicing. And it even says in the article that Quenio passed at will, dribbled at will, and more or less scored at will. Um, they were up 16-0 to at halftime, but don't worry, they let up and only scored four goals in the second Good half. Good for them. Well, so this is the question that I get for you from this article, though. <laughs> so you have the whole thing of, uh, what is it called in, in the soccer leagues? Is it regulation? Where they get moved up and Rele- down? Uh, Rele- relegated. Relegated. 
see, this is how you have teams like Cleveland and Phoenix not get the first pick the last 10 years. Is you tell Phoenix and Cleveland, if you suck really bad, you go play in the G League. You go play in the G League. We're going to move the Mad Ants up to the NBA. See, this is how you fix this problem. I, I, <laughs> I've had this discussion with a lot of people. They say it won't work. Um, it probably wouldn't, but I think it's still a fun concept because I think soccer has it right in that regard. Tanking is just, it's so bad for a league because you see it in the teams, especially in the NBA. You see a team like Phoenix, like how many first round picks they've had in the first three picks in the draft. And they've sucked for forever. Like it just doesn't fix the team. It worked for Philadelphia eventually, but that was a combination of a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, So those poor, and so they had those poor teenagers out on the field getting demolished by these men. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. And then let me finish off the article for you as we're running out of time. Um, So here's what ended up happening. So, uh, it says several teams in this league have actually struggled financially. Among them was the team that won 20-0, Quenio, the winning team Sunday. Um, there's already been a team this season dismissed from the league because of missing four matches. Uh, it says the Italian press did not like what it saw, you could assume. Uh, no one would care to watch a 20-0 game against lower teams. But the, the La Gazette dello Sport called the match grotesque, one of the saddest and surreal pages of the Italian professional football leagues. And then it says, even a player on the winning side was embarrassed. I, on, I feel only shame for those who made it all possible. <laughs> and then the Series C president came out and said that the game like, a game like that must never happen again. And because of that, he kicked, he kicked Pro Pienza out of the league forever. Wow. Even though they played the game. He kicked him out. Yep. I mean, you got to be able to put a f- team on the field. I, so that's sad. Uh, all right. So credit, credit to New York Times for the article today. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tanner, before we go, I want you to guess. Now this is a historic soccer match for all of those people who keep up. Uh, so this was a qualifying match for the 2002 FIFA World Cup. Australia and American Samoa. You want to guess the score? It was in 2001. 15 to 0? 31 to 0 for Australia over American Samoa. Yes, so if you ever want to look that game up, that's a great time. So that's like... That's a goal like every three minutes because there's 90 minutes in a game. Yeah. I mean, that, they didn't let up, obviously. I don't think they let up. All righty. We wanted to just ramble on a little longer today. It's been two weeks. Next week, we will have a guest for you. Um, it'll be a fun time. What? Oh, I don't okay. want to talk about the Super so just Bowl, briefly, Ethan. Just briefly before we sign off, uh, our producer, Ethan, has requested that since we have been off for two weeks, we'd not, we did not get to discuss the Super Bowl. Andrews Los Angeles Rams uh, lost one of the low, or it was the lowest scoring game of all time. The, the Super worst Bowl. Super Bowl ever. Um, the worst. So we got Andrew to admit it. Okay, it was the worst game that's ever been played. Um, I hate Tom Brady. I hate the Patriots. Go Rams football. We'll be back next year. I like it. Rams Super Bowl. There's us addressing the, the Super Rams Bowl. Super Bowl. <laughs> Rams Super Bowl 2020. That's what I'm talking about. All righty. Well, thank you for stopping by the UVU Review Quickfire Podcast. Um, hope you had a good time. I had a good time today. Um, make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening to so um, you can be notified when it gets put up. Um, we're available on all different platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, um, all of those different places you can find us. Uh, if you feel like you need to ask me any questions or just simply 
tell me how good the Rams are at football, you can email me at andrewcareer at gmail.com. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks. Love you guys. Thank you.